My brothers and sisters, we have to talk today about the simple matter, or perhaps not so simple matter, of faith. Faith. Now, when it comes to living in our part of the world, the sense that I have is that it is very easy for us as members of Church of Our Savior to talk about what we do for others. Yeah? It is easy for us to talk with somebody outside of the parish about the fact that our young people went yesterday to help out with the Marin Food Bank. It is fairly easy to talk about the fact that we help out feeding those in need at Mount Carmel once a month, as we are going to do this Tuesday, or the many other service activities we engaged in throughout the year. The world understands that, particularly here in Southern Marin, where everybody has at least two service projects they're doing and maybe two 501c3s to go with that, but that's the ongoing joke, right? The world understands that. But we are bound to get uncomfortable when we start to talk about faith and talk about why we gather for prayer or what we were called to do on Ash Wednesday, which was to go into rooms by ourselves, close the door, and be quiet with our God. As you see, it's at that point where the world around us begins to believe, perhaps rightly, that we're all just a little bit crazy. Just a little bit. Or maybe a lot. What do you think? I'm seeing a few heads nod. See, Episcopalians are like this most of the time. We sit around the pool of baptism, maybe dipping our toe in every once in a while, but it would be a little bit distasteful to get down in it. Yeah? Too risky. Because we live in the world, right? We don't want to be seen as crazy. We have jobs to do. We have service to do. We have people to lead. We have families to take care of. And yet, this is not the faith of Abraham. Nor is it the faith that Paul is calling the Romans to. Nor is it the faith that Jesus is revealing to Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus and Abraham and the Christian community in Rome to whom Paul is writing, and we have something in common. We have just about everything we need. Abram, you see, before he became Abraham, had all the flocks and herds he needed. In the ancient Bedouin world, he was a man to be admired. He had relatives and friends and power and influence. 
allowance and inheritance. Granted, he was too old to have a son. That was a problem in a patriarchal world. But it was not the end of the world for him. Interesting that God doesn't promise him a son in today's reading from Genesis. That's something I invite you to ponder. But think about Abraham who has everything. And so by the world's standards has done everything well. Or this wonderful community of Christians in Rome who are clearly quite sophisticated and probably close to the center of the Roman populace. There was a synagogue that was not only tolerated but supported by the imperial powers at this time near the heart of the Roman Empire and it's probably from that community that this Christian community formed and they are clearly very sophisticated and successful. Why? Because Paul bends every sheet to the wind, every pocket handkerchief he has, every rhetorical device in his letter to them to get their attention, to speak to them because they have everything. They are faithful Jewish Christians. They have obeyed the law. They have kept themselves unsullied by the wider Roman world. They know the tradition like the back of their hands. And they have received and taken the gospel on board. And yet something is still missing for them. Or Nicodemus. Nicodemus, a Pharisee, and a Pharisee among Pharisees, a leader, a keeper of all that is sacred to Israel. He had everything together. He was probably respected. And yet he is the one who comes to Jesus under cover of darkness, looking for something more. And when he asks for it, Jesus, in his usual obnoxious way in the Gospel of John, doesn't give him a direct answer, but teases him with these spiritual riddles that call him out of his sense that he has done everything he needs to. We are being hounded today by a definition of faith that calls us out of that terrible definition that we all encounter in the wider world, and that is faith is just simply believing in something incredible, intellectually untenable. And if that is your definition of faith, then the world has every right to regard you as crazy. Because the truth of the matter is, isn't it, we all come to church on Sunday and there are words in our liturgy and in our prayers and even in our theology that make us a little bit uncomfortable. Is faith only about intellectual assent? Or suspending disbelief for just long enough? Is it just a head exercise for you and for me? Or is there something more that we are called to? That's the question for Abram, for the Romans, for Nicodemus.
Paul writes to his brothers and sisters in Rome, telling them that all of their good deeds will not save them. Our God does not operate on a transactional basis. The world does that. We know that well. We deal in that all the time. But our God is different than that. Our God is after a faith that is fundamentally relational. Not because we earn it, but because we are given it, and it is ours for the taking. The risk, though, is we have to do more than simply dip our toes in the water every once in a while. We have to dive in. We have to get wet. We have to get messy. We even have to get a little bit crazy. Abram, you see, could have stayed where he was in that safe country that he knew so well, where he had everything he could possibly want. But God calls him out. And if you know the story well enough, you know that Abram is not going to walk the road perfectly, is not going to do everything right. He has created headaches for all of us, his spiritual inheritance, by almost pawning his wife off as his sister at one point, by almost sacrificing his son Isaac to God, by laughing when God promises him things that seem impossible. But at the end of the journey, Abram is so transformed that even his name changes, right? And in the ancient world, that is no small thing. That is to tell us that the very essence of who he is has been changed. From Abram to Abraham, his wife from Sarai to Sarah. The good citizens of Rome who are Christians are going to have to change. They are going to have to let go of their sense of self-satisfaction that they've gotten it all right so that therefore they are right with God. They are going to have to get their hands dirty in relationship again. And they're going to have to reach out to their brothers and sisters in the Gentile world and regard them with the same affection with which they hold their own. That's scary, but Paul is going to bend every pocket handkerchief he has to the wind to call them to it. And Jesus tells Nicodemus and us that we must more than get our toes wet. We have to jump into this relationship with God with both feet. Risk everything even. Put ourselves on the line follow into the life of the unexpected, become adventurers almost, and start to see the world anew. And we completely changed ourselves in the process.
That is the call of Lent. That is the call of relationship with God in Christ. And it will demand more of us than simply service, than simply doing good things. It will demand everything we are. Our hearts as messy as they are. Our minds for all of our skepticism. Even our reputations and our vocations. To give those over to God and then await the transformation that is promised. Transformation that is rooted in love for us. A love from before time. This has been a sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at OurSaviorNV.org. That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V for Mill Valley, dot O-R-G. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon.